With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Live from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk, it's an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The top 25 updated yesterday in the AP Iowa State up to 20th while the Hawkeyes dropped out of the rankings in the coaches poll. Iowa down four spots to number 25 while Iowa State bumps up to number 20. The Cyclones will be back in action tomorrow night as they host West Virginia. Last night in college basketball, Zion Williamson with 17 first half points and an 83-61 win at Notre Dame for Duke. In the Big 12, Texas Tech dominates TCU 84-65. Culver, five to shoot. No! The call on ESPN. Also in the Big 12 last night, Baylor, a 30-point road win at Oklahoma, 77-47. And in women's college basketball, Drake added to their roster, picking up transfer Grace Berg, the former Indianola star, after a season with Missouri. Tonight, the Cyclone women in action as they host Texas Tech. 6.30 tip-off. Hear the game right here on 1460 KXNO. 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Now we're in Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. John Miller likes this bump. I know he does. He's a Led Zeppelin guy. He joins us. As we talk Big Ten, Iowa, etc. John, good to talk to you. How are you, John Miller? I'm good, Ken. I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty well. You like that Led Zeppelin bump, did you not? I do. I no. do like Led Zeppelin, and uh, Greta Van Fleet uh, should be sued. But then again, Led Zeppelin has found themselves on the wrong side of some lawsuits. So, uh, but I like what Led Zeppelin did with a lot of uh, other people's work that they creatively sampled. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, John, I want to uh, creatively sample your and Dace's podcast coming up here in a second, but i got to take you back until Sunday. Uh, you made me laugh out loud, John, uh, with your tweet about going to get a shovel just in case you need to dig a little bit of a hole after you'd buried the Hawks, and here comes the uh, – what looked like, you know what, maybe they're going to come back and w- find a way to win this game. Yeah, that, was a, that was brilliant. Really nice. Yeah, that was um, wasn't looking too bad for Iowa. Down four with what just a minute and a half or so left, yep. and Tyler Cooks got the basketball, and Cooks coming down with a yeah. full uh, full head of steam. And oh yeah, he's he's a six foot eight forward and, and, and not a guard, and a guard picks his pocket from behind, and that was frustrating. That that you know it's interesting. It just led to a conversation with Dace and I last night. Like, why did that game? tweak me so much because I really haven't been tweaked by any of these games and I'm trying to not let games tweak me anymore in my life but it, I think it's just so frustrating to me the biggest thing stemmed from the move with about 16 or so minutes left when McCaffrey mm-hmm. took the starters out who admittedly were not playing defense and he put in um, a lineup that let's just say maybe there's not a more offensively challenged five he could have put on the floor at the same time than what he did 
And that lineup stayed out there for five minutes, mm-hmm. which is 25% of the remainder of the game. And to me, I tweeted out, hey, what is this, the we give up lineup? The white flag. Yeah, a, a few people took umbrage of that, namely um, Claire Till, Riley's sister, mm-hmm. uh, George Kittle's fiance. I'm like, hey, I'm not dogging on the players that are out there. You know, they all give their best effort. But that that five is not, there's not any player on that five that can create their own shot. Because there's, heck, there's hardly any players in the whole program that can create their own shot, which has been an ongoing issue for, you know, since Devin Marble left. And it's not like when Iowa got a commitment from Devin Marble, they were like, oh, great, happy days are here again. Uh, they helped develop him and deserve credit for that. But that was kind of a fortuitous um, emergence, if you will. So, I, I, you know, and some people are saying, well, John, I thought you were more old school than that. McCaffrey was just trying to send a message. You know, I get it. Coaches do that. And um, you pick your spots. But it's just like, you know, you still had it. You were down 10 points at that time. You know, and I just didn't like it. And maybe that just sat foul with me um, for the rest of the game. You know, John, it was one of those games that was a winnable one. And that was, I think, a frustrating component that goes into that. But it feels like a lot of the old... The old concerns about Fran McCaffrey and this program are coming to fruition with this two-game losing streak. Are are people going too far? And what's it going to take? Is there anything? Or is Iowa basketball short of a Final Four run or a regular season title just too far down the line? There's too many bad feelings for the fan base as a whole to get on board with Fran McCaffrey. There doesn't seem to be a ton of goodwill in the tank. No, I mean, they won, they won five games in a row. And the tenor of Twitter, which certainly does not speak for society, and thank the Lord for that. <laughs> really? Um, the tenor of Twitter was not negative, but it was not overly exuberant, nor should it have been, nor should it have been over as much negative on Sunday as it was. And I certainly contributed to that. I, you know, Dace and I talked a lot about this on the podcast, and his opinion on this I like because he doesn't have a dog in a fight, and he wonders if. McCaffrey's sideline temperament just doesn't wear thin. Just like, and he, they use this analogy, just, just like Kirk Ferentz a couple of weeks ago saying that he's never been to the transfer portal and everybody's like, oh, that old Kirk Ferentz, yeah, that old curmudgeon Kirk, what a guy. <laughs> well, you know, if Kirk had won six games this year, it'd be like, this guy's out of touch and get him out. Yeah. Kirk has a little more goodwill built up. And while McCaffrey clearly has the, I think, the love and support of his players. He didn't have anybody transfer out last year with the exception of a guy that wanted to leave and get playing time, and he's at Drake right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyler Cook came back. Cordell Pemsel, everyone thought he was gone. He yep. came back. Everybody thought Macy Daly was gone. He came back. So clearly, Fran is not wearing on the players. I think the evidence is there to support that. But I think Fran's wearing on the fans. I think the the visible F-bombs that he drops all the time, him begging for a technical the other day, just these absolute tantrums that, frankly, when we all live our lives, which is what we do far more than watch Iowa sports, you don't see people behaving like that. Bob Knight behaved that way, but he also had three banners. <laughs> um, McCaffrey doesn't. McCaffrey needs to like land a good point guard, frankly. 
before, you know, much less hang a national championship banner. So I think that there's just not a lot of goodwill in that tank for him to draw on. And I think his in-game persona is very grating. And maybe I'm just speaking for me, and I will say that to me, I find that type of behavior um, repulsive is probably a strong word, but maybe back repulsive off 15% and find a better word that's not quite as strong as that. Yeah, he was clearly begging for a tech. But I go back to the Northwestern game, John, and, and he lit those kids up. And, you know, he was sitting down, and I think it was Creener that was standing kind of behind the huddle, and he didn't have a chair, but he was on the floor. And McCaffrey actually stood up to make sure that Creener was getting the message loud and clear. And the kids come out, and they responded to that. So I agree with you that it's not a team issue as far as – you know, Pemsel, as you said, Pemsel was, everybody thought he was as good as gone, yet mm-hmm. he didn't leave anywhere. Maybe it is a fan thing, John. Yeah, and, and do players respond? I don't, I don't know. Maybe they just, you know, don't. If they respond, then then, then how, do you, how do you go from the first half effort against Michigan State that if you could put that in a bottle and drink it, bro, you'd never need sleep? Mm-hmm. That was intense. To... Basically, most all of the Minnesota guys, I couldn't be a coach. Mm-hmm. It would drive me freaking crazy to see that level of intensity and effort and then, and not have that all the time. And you, you can't redline all the time. But you certainly don't expect to see the Matador defense that you saw against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's it's frustrating. But then, let, let's circle back to a little reality. And Dace did this, you know, I hate to say Dace is the voice of reason, but he was for me <laughs> last night. Um, if I would have told you before the season began that Iowa midway through the Big Ten would be five and five, they would have had a five-game win streak. They'd be twenty—I don't know, twenty-something in the uh, net ranking. Twenty-eight. Today. They would the twenty-eight in the net rankings. They would have been undefeated in the non-conference portion of their season. And I would have signed up for that and asked for a second. Mm-hmm. Right now they're on a six line in a bracket that Trent and I both uh, yeah. give a lot of credibility to. Yeah. Sign for yeah. that in a heartbeat. So, so, so here we are. Yet it's Minnesota. It's Minnesota. I think you're. Yeah. I, I think it is, John. Honest to God, I think it's the the lack of effort. I agree with you. Getting outscored in the final twenty minutes against Sparty, forty to seventeen, carried that over to the Matador defense. To use your term, and you're right. I think that the expectations. You looked at that four game slate, thought, well, Minnesota's a gettable game, and then you come out and play like that. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess so. I, I I don't know. It's just. But it seems like it shouldn't be this big of a pendulum swing. And when I say we, I'm including myself. Certainly not absolving myself from um, the back-and-forth emotional nature, even though this is really the one game I've done that with. and I'm embarrassed. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, the only thing I can point to is that it's, just, it's, some, it's something that's hard for me to find tangibly, and maybe it does come back to, I just don't like seeing a grown man jump, stomp, and scream like a toddler. I typically put my kids in timeout when that happens. Hmm. Hawkeye Nation's John Miller joining us here. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. John, the defense has taken that step back again. We, we saw some signs early on. Maybe they had certainly an improvement from a year ago, but it's not great. Let's say I was a tournament team, but gets bounced in the first round or wins a game and, and gets throttled around to 32, something we've seen a couple of times under Fran. Are you a proponent? Fran McCaffrey will be back next year. There's no doubt. Are you a proponent, though, of Gary Barta saying, look at what John Beeline did. He handed the defense over to somebody that actually knew what he's doing. They played for a national championship game last year. 
They're making another run, it looks like, again this season. Making a move in that coaching staff and bringing in some kind of defensive guru to fix it. I'm a proponent of Gary Barta, the human being. He's a fine gentleman. I'm a proponent of Gary Barta, the fundraiser, to use an old uh, Ken term. Um, He's he's very good at that. Outside of that, I'm not sure I'm a proponent of Gary Barta, the athletic director, saying anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a proponent of maybe someone else being the athletic director. So I don't have a high degree of confidence in that regard. Um, Gary, this is the same Gary Barta that that gave Fran McCaffrey a contact contract extension under the cover of darkness. Kept last it year. secret. Yep. So no, I have no confidence in that. And frankly, Gary Barta has no leverage. Zero. He gave it all away. Yeah, he's uh, has not a lot of good for the university. The last couple of years have not been good on the Gary Barta resume. John, we're out of time. Uh, we want to ask everybody uh, Super Bowl prediction. Do you have one? You think you have a, a team? You know, Ken, I, I was a Vikings fan for a day last year, <laughs> and um, but you know, came back to my chief, uh, my Chiefs. That one, that one hurt a little bit. Not yeah. a ton of emotion. I don't get too emotionally involved. I, 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 I think the Rams ground and pound will uh, will do it. I, I think the Patriots had an answer for a Chiefs defense that's just not really that great right. against the run. But I, I think the Rams. I'm going to go with the Rams. Maybe that's what I want to see. Yeah, Although, if, if if Brady wins. Man, I'm fine with that, too. I, I, I appreciate excellence, mm-hmm. and uh, what a career. Yeah, you know what? You and I are kind of on the same page. We both like the Rams, but I'd be okay with the uh, the Patriots just because what a career, and uh, you tip your cap. Test of time, and Tom Brady has stood that and then some. Great to talk to you, John. Thank you. All right, see you guys. John Miller, com, chiming in on the Hawks and put him down, Trent Connor for the Rams, and we forgot that Shelby Maston, Eric after. We did, we did. Maybe we'll text them and get yeah. there. I just want to get everybody's Super Bowl pick. So the next one we're going to get is Zuba Mahente. He's been talking to some of these people involved. He has. And he's got something on Brady he wants to talk he about? mentioned that, that you've got, he's got a Brady story, and I said, well, I'll throw you a softball and you go ahead and hit it out. Speaking of Brady stories and what we talked about at the top of the show today podcast, I was listening to uh, Eric Rosillo of ESPN, and he also works with uh, Bill Simmons, his podcast. He had Drew Henson on. Mm. And Drew Henson was talking about some stories, but one of my favorites is back when they were at Michigan. Mm-hmm. They're going through and they're looking at a list of preseason All Americans and All Conference guys. And Brady, that guy sucks. I'm better than him. I'm better than him. He's awful. Down the list, yeah. every single one of them. This is back when he was struggling to hold on to his job with Drew Henson and Brian Greasy was in the uh, in the wings too. Correct? Guy's got a lot of confidence. Yeah, I'll say. Can go I'll a long way, can it? No doubt. So uh, Bryce Harper continues to trend on Twitter, but I, again, I'm not seeing you know a uh, Buster Olney, mm-hmm. John Heyman, um, Jason Stark, any of the big baseball names have yet to corroborate this. Hmm. To be determined. Huh? Maybe there is nothing there, but the the Phillies are trending and Bryce Harper is trending. One last offer from the Twins. They're, they're making a last second push. That's what's holding this up, Trent Condon. Well, the Twins would offer four years, eighty million. Yeah, no, that's not going to do it. No, I will take a timeout. Zuba Mahente joins us next. Miller and Condon uh, are here until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio. This is fourteen sixty KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO, taking you up until noon. 
Back at it tomorrow. Cappy will be here tomorrow in his regular Wednesday spot. Look forward to catching up with uh, David Kaplan. Uh, let's get Zuba Mahente in here, shall we? Off we go to Connecticut. At least I assume you're still in uh, Connecticut. Where are you, Zubin? How are you? I'm doing great. I am here in Connecticut. Uh, it's cold and it's going to snow, but nothing like what you guys are about to get or are getting right now. So I got no reason to Yes, the Midwest is getting hammered uh, like we haven't seen in a long, long time. Zubin, let's, uh, a lot of ground to cover with you. I will get into the Super Bowl, but let's get into Tom Brady first, as I, I know that uh, you've got something on your mind regarding Tom Brady. The floor is yours. Oh, thank you. Uh, we have a long-term project we're working on. I was talking about it with our NFL guys. Not going to be able to get it ready for Sunday, but I want to put you guys, you guys always ask me questions, so I want to ask you guys a question here. And the piece is based upon this. It's a long-term project. Bottom line, Mo Lewis gets Drew Bledsoe, obviously, mm-hmm. he comes into the game. Very first snap, the Brady 11 were calling it tentatively, him and 10 other guys. On that day in 2001, um, Brady is the only guy left playing. Every one of those other guys is retired. Some are analysts. We have local analysts, pastor, one guy's a pastor, they all have charities. Everyone's long gone. Tom is still rolling at 41. Without going over, the winner gets uh, off the top of my head, Claxton's Barbecue. Okay. It's between you and Trent. All you know, right. Making that up. I mean, uh, feel free to use that on Fridays if you want. But um, number of combined years, those 10 guys have been retired. It takes the number of years those 10 guys have been gone from football to just accentuate Brady's Ooh. amazing longevity. What do you think it is? Uh, 105. I was thinking 85. 115. Closest without going over, Trent. I'm off to Claxons. 
when Tom Brady is mentioned and you talk about all-time winners, he's going to be in that same conversation. But strictly as a quarterback, where does he rank for you? I think right at the top. Me too. Just because what, what, what I see is, and it's not even statistically based, you kind of ran through it, Trent, um, what he's been able to do. Um, it's the idea that when you hear some of the things that his guys say about him, um, after the AFC title game, every other guy said something to the effect of, you know, 12's out there. And when 12's out there, that's just a whole new ball game. 12's out there with us in overtime. What do you think is going to happen? Um, and he does such a great job of being in the moment. Yeah, every one of those Super Bowls he's been involved in has essentially been a one-possession game, so to speak. Um, but they love what he's able to do in the moment. Just think the, no- the notion that the Chiefs led the NFL in sacks and the Chargers had the most ferocious defense to many <laughs> personnel-wise. Yep. And the fact that he was knocked down Un- once and not sacked at right, all. Right. And the fact that Dante Skarnecchia who's a position coach. I was talking to our Lou Riddick, who I think a lot of people have very high Brilliant. as live. Yep. Yeah. And we were watching the end of the Chiefs game. I'm like, sure, like the other 63.9 million people in America that were watching that thing. And we were on SportsCenter right after the game with him. And so I'm sitting there watching it with him, Ryan Clark, my co-anchor, Michael Leaves. We're just watching the big screen like anybody. And uh, Lou actually goes back to Bill. Lou worked with him in Cleveland in the 90s. And unabated, nobody brought this up, he said, you know, if you really think about Dante Scarnecchia, the Pats offensive line coach, being the first position coach slash assistant coach, however you want to define that, to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I know we're on Sports Talk Radio and on TV, it's recency bias, and you look at the line, and Brady's been untouched, and it's an easy argument to make. But it's something to think about. They don't have any first-round picks on that line. It's the 26th highest-paid line in the league. And obviously Brady's getting out in 2.5 seconds, mm-hmm. so that certainly makes our job a little bit easier. But when Riddick said things like that, you look at Brady's record, you look at what Belichick's done, but it's the continuity. Uh, a lot of guys like McDaniels, when you get that head coaching opportunity, you might coach Andrew Luck. You're not turning that down for any reason. I mean, you're an offensive guy. You've got Andrew Luck. And he said, you know what, I'm going to come back here. There's just something about the way that they operate. From the day Bob Kraft bought the team 25 years ago, for $172 million, which at the time was a gigantic amount of money to buy a team, to what the team is valued at now. But even just little things like Skarnecchia aid in Brady's greatness. And then Lou just said, you know, without any provocation, the Pat's offensive line coach should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just tells you everything you need to know about the organization. It's a terrific stat, Zubin. It really is. And they have kept Brady, uh, essentially, as you mentioned, uh, clean throughout this playoff run. You know, I want to ask your opinion on, on, on what the Patriots back in the Super Bowl is doing for the, for the country as a whole. I mean, will we, I, I guess the, everybody will tune in because it's the Super Bowl. During the regular season, and maybe this is, maybe I'm just going by how the way I felt, but I kind of get the feeling I'm not alone in this. And this is why I want to bring it up to you. We were sick of the Brady story. We were sick of the Patriots. It's Patriots fatigue. Yet here we are again. They're back in the Super Bowl. And I think it's maybe sinking in just what this dynasty is. And, you know, last year I thought it was going to come to an end, but, but here we are again. Are we more open to the fact that what we're seeing here is it's starting to resonate that, my good God, here they are again. They're not supposed to be here. Let's enjoy it while they're still uh, while they're still on this stage. I would hope that that's the case, but I also think they're very polarizing and very visceral. And I think when you have a team like that in the Super Bowl, 
even fans that tune in once a year, they may not know who Sean McVay is, and they probably don't know who Jared Goff is or Todd Gurley or Aaron Donald is. But I would guess even your casual fan that tunes in once a year, and I'm not just talking about knowing Tom Brady, they know the enmity that surrounds the New England Patriots. I would tell you this. To me, they're an outlier, and you might laugh at this, but we actually brought this up. We just uh, finished two weeks of Australian Open coverage, and Saturday night um, before the men's final, we had Darren Cahill on. He's one of our analysts. And our last question to him, uh, Djokovic played Nadal, so like two great players, right? So we asked him the question. I said, why is it in the NFL people are so sick of the Patriots and people are getting tired of the Warriors and are hoping the Warriors get blown up? Um, yet in tennis, when the greatest of the great play, i.e. the Patriots or the Warriors, 52 of the last 62 majors, or 52 of the last 63 majors have been won by Djokovic, Nadal, or Federer, including the last nine majors overall. And in tennis, they love the greatness. They absolutely love the dominant style of play. Now, I know most of those guys don't have personalities like Bill Belichick. They haven't been caught cheating, whatever you want to say about the past. But it is interesting that in many other walks of life, people celebrate a 73-win Warriors team. They celebrate Michael's dominance. Six titles, 6-0 in the NBA Finals. They celebrate tennis they celebrate tiger's return um and in the nfl the nfl equivalent of tiger dominance of rafa fed and novak dominance michael dominance in the 90s the nfl equivalent of that is the Pats. and while all of those other teams are lionized the Pats are somewhat criticized they are no doubt no doubt zubin mahente joining us hey zubin uh the big story outside of the super bowl on the national level is Anthony Davis. You love your NBA. You're our resident NBA go-to guy here before we get to April. So let's go into it here. Is it inevitable to the Lakers? What's going on? Fill us in. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a really interesting story here behind the story. Obviously, the Lakers would like him. His agent is a guy named Rich Paul who runs an agency called Clutch Sports, and that is LeBron James' agency. A lot of people that have been following the NBA think it was a fait accompli that at some point he was going to want to go. They have the 25th highest attendance in the league. The organization is really struggling. The organization was actually once owned by the NBA. Mm-hmm. And then the Benson family, who owns the Saints, they've had some acrimony in their family over ownership. But they essentially bailed out the NBA and bought the team. And obviously, if New Orleans were to trade him to anybody, they'll probably never be able to draft another player or find another player of his talent. He's only 25 years old. So they have to be very judicious and figure out what they want to do here. Uh, I don't think the Lakers are going to hold him at gunpoint because, if anything, the Pelicans have the leverage. He is signed for the next one and a half years. So that's something they have to think about. What's really interesting is the Boston Celtics for a long time have wanted him. But there is something called the Derrick Rose rule, and it's an arcane sort of rule that would prevent the Celtics from acquiring Davis if Kyrie Irving is on the team with his current contract. So essentially what that means is the Celtics cannot bring Anthony Davis aboard as long as he has his current contract and Kyrie Irving has his current contract. It's an, it's an NBA rule. It's called a designated player rule. What would happen is in the summer, Kyrie Irving would establish himself as a free agent, and then the Celtics could do whatever they want. So while the Lakers and any other team that wants Anthony Davis can trade for him now, if the Celtics want him, they're going to have to wait. And the common perception around the NBA is the Celtics have 
a ton of capital. The Celtics might have the most attractive package for the Pelicans, but are the Pelicans willing to wait until the summer to make the move? So I think that's really interesting. Anytime the Lakers and Celtics are in play for a 25-year-old stud, knowing the rivalry between the two, it ratchets up everything. But the thing nobody's talking about is what it would do to a franchise like New Orleans. It would essentially decimate uh, the franchise. They're already struggling as is. And then the centerpiece is gone before that. Chris Paul was gone. And it really makes me think about the viability of Gordon Hayward leaving Utah and, you know, all these Carmelo Anthony leaving Denver. It's just one of those things that the league is going to have to deal with and find a solution to. But Lakers short-term, Celtics long-term, but many of the cards are still held by the Pelicans. It's pretty fast. Hmm. Zubin Mahente, uh, ESPN, is with us. Zubin, I have two more things, both of them ESPN-related. One of them really makes me sad. It really does. Uh, my Canadian's going to be showing here. <laughs> I, I saw that the Pro Bowl, a game that I can't not, I just can't watch a play of the exhibition. It's an exhibition. Guys are having fun. I get it. Uh, they made some business decisions as far as you know, pulling up on a, on a sloppy field, did the right thing. It's not a real game is where I'm going. Yet, yet, somehow... And here's where it makes me sad. My sport that I love, the NHL, Game 7, Stanley Cup Final. Sports' best trophy is in the building. These guys have kicked the crap out of each other for the last two months. You have to win 16 games, as you know. Here we are, Game 7. Somebody's going to hoist the cup. Look what Ovechkin, look at the effect that it had on him. Yet twice as many people watch the Pro Bowl as they would watch a Game 7 Stanley Cup Final. What? is wrong. Yeah, I think it's actually just to be honest with you, and obviously the Pro Bowl has been played in a couple of different venues, and sometimes they've tried to play it after the season. In this particular case, it was on Sunday. I think the first thing that was wrong was when I saw Alvin Kamara rushing the quarterback. That was a little strange. <laughs> right. uh, and then, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey catch a touchdown pass at the end. So I guess that's what would be wrong with it. But I honestly think it just comes down to it, Ken. I mean, you're a, it's football. You're a Canadian. And I know how much you love football. You sit mm-hmm. there on Saturday and Sunday. You got the growler. You're an angry. Yeah. You're rolling. You're not moving. No. Nope. You move for like 10 hours each of those weekend days. <laughs> so we just sit there and watch football. And I think it's a simple issue of football withdrawal. We pretty much, the preseason, for all the lamenting of people having to buy season tickets, when you get your preseason tickets, and what does it matter? The preseason doesn't mean anything. It gets us into a weekly ebb of football, whether it starts with the Hall of Fame game, whether it's Thursday or Sunday works its way through every preseason weekend, and then it works its way through the regular season. So from late August to September to October, November, December, and into January, we've got Saturday and Sunday. And now suddenly, for the most part of January, outside the early Monday, you know, Saturday's gone in college, and now we're getting to a point where we used to have every Saturday and Sunday, and now Saturday's gone. And now Sunday's about to be gone. And so if you can catch that one glass glimmer, you'll take it. And then you'll take this Sunday. And then obviously in previous years, the Pro Bowl would be played after the Super Bowl. So you'd catch that Sunday. So I just think that it is one of those things where people are trying to grab and gnaw on to any little piece Mm -hmm. of football that they can, knowing we've probably got about, well, I mean, we have had an overtime Super Bowl involving the past, but I, I think we've probably got about 60 minutes left. And if anything, no matter what the TV ratings say, and they've had an uptick this year, it does show the incredible appetite for football in this country. They've got concussion problems. They've got participation problems. It's they've got king. social problems, political problems. But the bottom line is 
people are dying to see as much football as possible, even Pro Bowl football, which, to your point, barely qualifies. Mm. Last thing for me, Zubin. Uh, it's Thursday night. I, I can't wait to watch it. 30 for 30. It's, uh, I, I, don't, I think it's called Dion Double, and I might be wrong, but it's Dion Sanders. And, you know, when he was playing baseball and he was playing for the Falcons, he's playing for the Braves. Uh, he's throwing the water on, on Tim McCarver. I think, pretty <laughs> sure it was Tim McCarver in the clubhouse. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to watch it, Zubin. It was a remarkable story of a remarkable athlete, whether you like him off the, you know, off the field of endeavor or not, uh, just incredibly gifted whatever he chose to do. I think this has got a chance to be very good. I hope it lives up to my expectation. Yeah, you know what's really interesting is it, it, it shows the age divide. I think you told me once you were 60. Are you 60 years old? Yes, I am. I'm 40, and Trent's probably just a little younger than I. But what's so interesting about this is I vividly remember Dion, Brian Jordan, all these guys, and everything yep. you do and Trent does. But what's so interesting, we were talking about this the other day, is that for a whole new generation of viewers, you know, like your 18 to 34s, your millennials, or whatever you want to call them that, Kyler Murray has <laughs> actually brought these guys back mm-hmm. into the spotlight. The only two sports guys they know is Kyler Murray, you know? And that the intrigue around him with the A's and with Oklahoma and the Heisman and putting his name into the draft, the combine, whatever it is, all that sort of stuff has actually brought these guys back to life. I mean, it's, a, it's just a reminder that Tom Brady was also drafted by the Montreal Expo, mm-hmm. you know? And it's one of those sorts of things that people don't think about. I think Dion and Bo, obviously, were on the leading edge. And you've got your Drew Hensons and your Chad Hutchinsons and your Matt Holidays and guys that have tried both sports. Um, but it's one of those things where I think for those younger fans that don't appreciate what primetime was about, the way he changed every NFL team that he joined, the way he changed the Cowboys, the way he changed the Falcons. Um, and it's just one of those things where, and obviously even going back to Florida State, I think it's great to kind of have this guy come back into the limelight for a lot of fans that don't really know anything about him. And if it's something as simple as Kyler Murray trying to quote-unquote do what Dion did, it sort of gives Dion a little bit of shine. And obviously he stayed in the public eye working for NFL Network and he worked for CBS prior to that. And he's obviously got a good multimedia thing going. But I do think sometimes it's interesting, the timing of all of this. Dion right before the Super Bowl is a great idea, but I think for the first time in a long time, this guy, Kyler Murray, has captured the imagination of so many people, even though so many other people have actually done what he's attempting to do, but to give a little shine to Dion for a lot of the younger viewers who had no idea to watch him backpedal to watch him one-hand intercept guys and then refuse to tackle anybody. (laughs) That was the only (laughs) knock on him. Uh, I think that's kind of a really fun thing. For me, you, and Trent, and I would imagine for the majority of your listeners, uh, this is just be a trip down memory lane. But for a lot of people, this will be their first exposure to watching somebody like Deion Sanders. So I think it's actually something all sports fans can get something out of. Can't wait to watch it. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, thank you as always. Good long segment today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Zubin. See you next week. Yep, good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente, ESPN. You going to watch? Absolutely. What's your favorite 30 for 30? Oh, man. There's it, been it doesn't so just come many. to you like that. No, it doesn't. There's been so many. I think it's still the you for me. Yeah, that was really good. Um, can I cheat during the break? Take a look at them. Yeah. Another one that I really like is the one of the Day of OJ 
in the Bronco. What was that? It was just called June, whatever it was. It was June the 20... 1994? It was 94 for 94. sure. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think that's the name of the 30 I told you the story. Is it? Yeah, so I told you... Um, Three of my two, three of my buddies from Denver, mm-hmm. myself and Louie, my best friend growing up. I know Louie. I, I hear you talking to Louie from right. time to time. We we flew. I was living in Denver. We no, was I back here? No, I was just back here. We uh, we went to Winnipeg, uh-huh. and then went way up into the bush to a to a deserted land. There's no cell phones, right? Right, and there's no internet. We went into the bush and came out of the two day fishing trip, and O.J. Simpson had murdered two people. And Ryan Sandberg had retired from baseball. Missed a you lot. Missed a lot, right? Missed a couple of days. You never know what's going on. But uh, yeah, 1994 for sure. Let me look. That's a, that's a good topic. Um, maybe to finish out on. Yes. One more ESPN. I didn't want to bring the bat up with Zoom. Mm-hmm. Did you see that um, ESPN is foregoing any one of their daily baseball magazine shows? I saw that. Baseball Tonight, all of these shows are kaput. Baseball tonight has, over the last few years, not been what it was. For me, in the 90s, it was my favorite show. Right. It was must-see every night, yep. 9 o'clock. Because Carl Ravitch, right? Yes. Yep. I was never, I've told you, a big Harold Baines fan, or a Harold uh, Reynolds, Harold Reynolds yep. fan, but that was where you went. And he got jettisoned from ESPN, I think. He did. I think he got had a Me Too movement before the Me Too movement. Yes. He made a mistake. Uh-huh. And he's at MLB Network, right. and... But honestly, I've watched over the last four or five years more MLB Network anyway than baseball tonight. Yeah, so so that cut into it. So with yeah. that, you know, the NFL's got a pretty good lineup of guys. You know, speaking of Deion Sanders, watching him on. Do you know what struck me on Sunday night? Watching you know, two Sundays ago, Deion looks old. He is old. I know he is. It just kind of for the first time thought, oh my god, dude, you're old. Because he was, oh, watch Thursday night. It's what a spectacular athlete. Yes, I can't wait to watch it. All right, I'm going to look. I'm going to cheat. Find your come up with your top three. I'll do the same, Uh, and we will. um, Well, we'll we'll let you know when we come back. Our final segment. It's an abbreviated one. We're here until noon. We're glad you're with us. If you missed any portion of the program, you want to hear another guest. That Zubin bit was outstanding. So were all of our guests today. Uh, You can check them out at kxno.com. We have a podcast page there. Our podcasts are up. How much? How long after the show would you say? Hour one's already up, and hour two will be up shortly after noon. Within fifteen minutes. Within fifteen minutes. So there they will be at kxno.com. Here, Trent and I will be when uh, we come back after these messages on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. What is this? This is the theme for 30 for 30. I didn't know that. Really? There it is. Now I get it. Now I recognize it. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Dion's double play Thursday night will be the 100th episode. As I was looking through the list during the break, it's tough to find just three. The, impossible. It, it really is. But there's a lot of them on here that I missed. Mm-hmm. Some of them are shorts that probably just were right. on ESPN. Right. But now I need to find some time for this. So thanks. You're going to keep me up till 2 a.m. Watching thirty for thirties tonight. No, there's there's a whole bunch. Was this Simmons project to begin yes. with? Is this what brought yes. him to ESPN? That's what I thought. Well, he, he was already at ESPN, okay. but this was his idea. Gotcha. Thirtieth anniversary. Want to do document? Oh, that's yeah. how it came about. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And here we are. 
And what a list. Yeah, it is. I, I couldn't find three. I'll, I'll tell you who didn't make my list simply for the fact that uh, Chris Weber was not part of it and he yep. refused to be. The Fab Five was tremendous. Loved it. But same thought as you. You have to have Weber, yep. right? Yes. I mean, he's the linchpin. Um, so that didn't make my list. Want to do run through mine and then we we'll get to yours? Yes. So we'll go for uh, the best that never was. Marcus Dupree was spectacular. It was. That's a good call. It really is. You would like if you didn't see this because of your affinity to wager on sports, your appreciation for playing for the mob, the Boston College story. Yes. What Henry am I? Hill was the mobster. Mm-hmm. Loved Henry Hill. <laughs> he was actually he was alive at the time. Henry yeah. Hill. Uh, I hate Christian Leitner. That's a very good one. It's a really good one. Uh, Catholics versus convicts. Ah, the guys that uh, the, made the, the t-shirts. Made the t-shirts. The Notre Dame. Uh, I guess obviously a grad now. And the two bills, Belichick and Parcells, was is great. I can't limit it to three. I want to put the Fab Five on my list. But if you're a neighbor, I have to kick one off. That would be it, just because Chris Weber. What's on yours? Uh some of them that you missed that I had first. The one that we mentioned going into the break, June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. So many different angles at the NBA Finals going on and taking me back to a fourteen year old self. Who was in that NBA final? Uh, that was Knicks Rockets. Knicks Rockets. Gotcha. Yep. And uh, and the Rockets won it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one. As I mentioned, the U certainly up there for me. Yep. Requiem for the Big East. Yeah, I think I s- did. I see that. It's good. Is it? Yeah. I don't remember. Now you weren't. The beginning of the Big East, you were in Canada. I'm yeah. sure Big East basketball wasn't real important well, to you. College back then. basketball, was right? <laughs> so maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't have the same draw that it did for me as a, a fan of that. And the one that doesn't exactly fit, maybe in this category, it is a thirty for thirty, but it is completely different. Mm-hmm. Is the two Escobars? Oh which, yeah, yeah. In in terms of filmmaking, look, I, I'm not some you know I'm not going to be breaking down movies or anything. It's not a sports thing. If you're just a sports guy, it's probably not going to do it for you. It was really well done. Mm-hmm. It's one that I, I have revisited, one of the few outside of, like, Randy U. I, the Randy Moss. Yeah, one. that was really good, too. Yes. You know I've I watched that one a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I watched the U a couple of Fab Five I watched a couple of times. But outside of that realm, the two Escobars, a little bit deeper. And a lot I of, might have to watch. I don't recall seeing that one. It's really well Is done. It? Yeah. So where can you find those now? Netflix. Netflix, I think. Do you do the Netflix? My wife has it. I've never watched a show on Netflix, but my wife has it. So if she's got it, I've got it, right? You do, yes. Uh, What do we got tonight, Trent Conan? Let's uh, do a little tube talk before we get out of here. Is is not bad. I mean, it's a sports night. No sports night is really bad. But Mm -hmm. Monday night will not go down. Last night is one of the best nights. Okay, it's nice and sports. I'll put it a little differently. But you mentioned Virginia Tech, NC State early. Same time as Texas, Kansas. I'm looking at South Carolina, Tennessee to get things started. Are you? I might be taking a taste of that money line. Really? You like South Carolina? I do. They've been playing much better basketball. Yeah, Tennessee's really good. Well, it's a good price. Is it? What's the number? It's only a price, the good price if you actually cash the ticket. Right. <laughs> How many times do I talk about value plays that don't uh, actually no, have any way. value? Same as sports, same as horse racing. Yes. Now he's a really good value. He's 8-1. to one. I got to fire at him. Yeah, he does Runs up the track. <laughs> Far back and well beaten. <laughs> Uh, Nebraska, Wisconsin, seven o'clock. Gotta flip yep. in Maryland Northwestern. No, no, doesn't do it. That's the well, early gotta, Big Ten. Something's got to give. Mm-hmm. But Texas, Nebraska, Kansas tonight. Texas give them any run? I don't know what to make of Texas. Yeah, they got some athletes, Trent. That they do. 
they should be better than they are. Oh, no doubt. I mean, we, we talked earlier with Eric Hefton and afterward, or even with Eric, I think there was like five teams, right, in the mm-hmm. Big 12 that we would legitimately still alive to win this thing. I didn't have Texas on that list. Will we see any postponements? I just got the alert. Des Moines schools close tomorrow. Yeah. As far as in-state? With no. the three games tomorrow. Mm-mm. Is schools West already Vir- been, uh, Iowa and Iowa, all the, all the colleges yeah. are closed tomorrow. Is West Virginia already here? Do they maybe even leave it earlier than normal? I bet they're on their way. Yeah. I, I've seen nothing that even indicates they're even um, discussing postponing tomorrow's game. I haven't. They're going to play tonight. The women play tonight, yes. right? And, and uh, what time are they on the air? at 6.30? 6.30 tip-off. 6 o'clock, I would guess, for the pregame. 6 o'clock for the pregame, indeed. All right, we're back at it tomorrow. Cappy's going to be here. Look forward to catching up with the Cap Man, amongst others. Uh, Chris Andrews tomorrow will do uh, Vegas, but from a different perspective. Look forward to that. Uh, Frank Schwab live from the Super Bowl, and hopefully Alex Halstead will uh, preview uh, West Virginia, Iowa State. For Trent Conn and Ken Miller, thanks for listening to Moines Sports Station.